Praise the Lord. Guys, we're doing a series called I Choose. Last Sunday, I did a, a little teaching called I Choose Life. Now, today, we're going to talk about choosing His ability over our inabilities. If we try to live our life in our own strength, in our own ability, we're always going to come up short. Now, I looked the word up, ability, yesterday, and it means capability. It means potential. Uh, it means that once we choose His ability, we're capable of doing so much that He has called us to do and called us to be. In Acts chapter 1-8, we'll look over there and let's pray over the Word today. Fathers, thank you so much for the Word of the Lord. Thank you for this great congregation, great people. You're a great God. We love you with all of our heart. And so we ask you to speak to us through the book and by your Spirit. I ask you, sir, to give me utterance to make known the mystery of the gospel. I pray that eyes be enlightened and spirits be flooded with strength and light. And Lord, we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said a hearty amen. Now in Acts 1.8, this is powerful. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be. And you shall be. As I was driving yesterday, that word, that phrase just came out of those pages into my spirit. And you shall be. Through his ability, we shall be, number one, witnesses, of course. But because he has given us his ability and we're choosing his ability, we shall be everything that God called us to be. Through his ability, we can do everything that he enables us to do. Now, sometimes we feel like, well, I don't know that I can do it. I don't know that I can make it. I just don't know. I don't know. We need to get rid of the I do not knows and say, I believe. I believe. When God gave us his ability, he gave us his ability. We just need to receive it. Now, notice over here in Philippians, the second chapter, the 13th verse, great verse of scripture. Aren't you glad you don't have to rely on your own strength? It says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Think about it. He's effectually working in you, and along with that effectual working, He's energizing you. And He's creating you the power and the desire. The power and the desire. I can remember when our youngest son was going through a battle of depression when he was in his 20s. And he says, Dad, I just don't feel like doing anything. I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to stay in bed. And we know sometimes when people battle depression, that's an awful thing and it's a dark thing. But he got a hold of this scripture. He says, you know what? I'm not going to rely on my own desire. I'm not going to rely on my own will. It's not in my own strength, but I'm going in the strength of the Lord. So he'd get up and he'd work out and he'd do what he needed to do. And praise God, he is fine today. Amen. So God will put his energy in you and it will be effectual. It'll be powerful, guys, both to will and to do for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. I think one of the things that we need to get in our heart and on our lips is this grace verse of scripture over in Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse. Of course, in the King James Version says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. 
Now let's look at this verse in verse 13 in the Amplified and let's personalize it. Let's read it together. Let's believe it together. Ready, read. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient. Now I want you to notice some words there. He empowers you. That's his ability. Amen? Not only does he empower you, but he infuses you. We have an empowerment and we have an infusion of his ability, thus enabling us all to do all things through Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. Man, that's such good news. That's such good news. I can remember when I got off of drugs and in 1974, 1975, many of you know I was a heroin addict, had a $150 a day habit. I was just bound. I was on my way to hell. I can remember in the treatment center one day looking in the mirror and I saw something looking in through my eyes that wasn't me. It was a demonic spirit. But oh, for the grace of God, I called upon the name of the Lord. I got born again. Amen. But I remember my first day that they gave me a pass. See, I was in a treatment center for six months. I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I went to a treatment center in Wilmer, Minnesota, 100 miles west of Minneapolis. And they wanted to get me out of the city. Sometimes, you know, you got to get out of the city because in the city there's temptation. But at any rate, I can remember my first pass I got. I said all day long, all day long, all day long. Because one of the greatest pressures that you will face if you have been an alcoholic or a drug addict is that desire and that push to do it again. And what I said over and over again on that bus from Wilmer to Minneapolis, Minnesota, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I said it over and over and over and over and over again in my spirit. I believed it in my heart. And now it's about 44 years later that I haven't had a drink or haven't had a drug. Glory! It is not in my own strength, but it is in His strength. It is not in your own strength that you can get victory over the areas that you're challenged with, but you can do... Oh, Shandai, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? I got this word in my spirit as I was preparing this. Him putting his faith in you. Put your hand over your heart and say, I have been given a measure of mountain moving faith. So him putting his faith in you gives you and I the ability to partake of what he's provided for us by this glorious inheritance. Colossians says it like this in verse 12, 1. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. That's an old English word for able. We could read it this way. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. When you choose his ability and you choose to live by faith and not by sight and you choose to partake of everything that he's provided for you, your life is going to be awesome. Amen? So say with me, I have the ability of God to receive my inheritance and to move some mountains. Now here's the problem with humanity. Humanity in the natural says, I'm not able. Right? 
Do you, do you remember, in, and I'm going to just turn over there. You don't need to turn over there. But in, in the book of Numbers, when God said to them that I have given you the land, and he sent out 12 spies to go out and spy the land, well, 10 out of the 12 brought back an evil report. Two of the 10, Joshua and Caleb, brought back a good report. And you know what Caleb and Joshua said in uh, Numbers chapter 13? They said this. They said, let us go up and once and possess the land, for we are well able to possess it. See, they were not choosing their ability. They were choosing his ability to perform what he told them. He told them the land is yours. Thus he believed it and he said, we're able. But the 12, the 10 of the 12 were moved by what they saw. They were moved by the giants. They were so moved that they began to see themselves as grasshoppers in their own sight. And so they became that way in the sight of the giants in the land. See, Caleb and Joshua said, we're able The ten spies said, we're not able to go up and possess the land, for the giants are bigger than we are. See, they forgot that their God was bigger than the giants. They were moved by what they saw. So in your life, you've got to make the choice. Is your God able? Is He able to perform what He spoke to you? Is He able to watch over His Word and bring it to pass in your life? Come on, somebody, help a preacher preach today. But if you get into this negative cycle of, oh, I don't know. I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I don't know if I'm able. I'm not educated. I don't know. I don't know. No. Get rid of that and say, thank God I'm able to go in and to go up and possess all that God has provided for me. Now, today we're going to center in on choosing his ability to overcome temptation. Amen? God enables you and I to overcome any and every temptation that comes our way. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. That was all introduction. And uh, I'm, I, I know how to preach and get you out before 3 o'clock, so don't worry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 13. Now notice this. He says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able or above the ability that he gives. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So every believer is tempted. Now when we hear the word temptation, people's minds usually go to two or three areas. But temptation is a broad thing. I mean, you can be tempted to be depressed. You can be tempted to fear. You can be yielding to fear and to worry. You can be tempted to doubt. How about this? You can be tempted to judge another brother or sister. You can be tempted not to bring your tithes to church. So we want to look at temptation as broader than just yielding to the lust of the flesh. And certainly that is a big temptation. 
and we'll deal with some of that. But temptation is something that you and I need to understand. It's the enemy attacking us, trying to get us to yield to some things that will not only hurt us, but will hurt people around us. And the enemy loves to use this lie. Well, nobody knows what you're going through. Followed up by, nobody's been through what you've been through. I've got a word for you. Don't buy the lie. It's common stuff. It's common demand. It's not uncommon for a believer to be tempted. It's common for a believer to be tempted. Are you listening to me now? So all of us have been tempted, some in different areas. Now we need to understand this, that Jesus himself was tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, it says here in verses 1 through 3, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he got hungry. Some of you get hungry just in church for a half hour. My kids used to make bets. I wonder how long it's going to be for dad's going to start talking about food in one of his sermons. In verse 3 it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So he came to Jesus with the bait of doubt. What Jesus did is he didn't reason with him. He didn't deal with the devil on his plane. He dealt with the devil on a higher plane with a sharp two-edged sword. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, folks, it's important for you to know what's written when the tempter comes to tempt you. But my point is this, is Jesus was tempted just like you and I are. But he didn't yield to it. He didn't accept the pull of the enemy. So I want to say to you today, it is not a sin to be tempted. Say that with me. It's not a sin sin. to be tempted. Where's the sin then? The sin is in yielding to the temptation, right? But it's not a sin for you to be tempted. And here's what the enemy does is when he brings the temptation, he tries to bring along with it the lie that we thought that up. In other words, he brings his thoughts, his reasonings, and suggestions to our mind, and then tries to get us to believe that that comes from us. And then he likes to slap a serious case of condemnation on us. But I hear the Lord saying, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now listen. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So get that out of your thinking and get that out of your mind. It's not a sin to be tempted. He comes along with, look at you. You're you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be a Christian. How could you think thoughts like that? That's why you've got to recognize that there's spiritual warfare going on. There is spiritual warfare going on. And the Bible says that we have weapons to deal with that warfare. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they do not originate in man, but they are mighty through God for what? The pulling down of strongholds. And then he goes on to say, here's what you do with strongholds. First of all, you recognize them and then you cast them down. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and do what? Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Say with me, I've got warfare weapons. I've got the name of Jesus. I've got the blood of the Lamb. I've got His might. I've got His power. I have His efficiency. And today I choose your ability. Hallelujah. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. And notice with me in verse 15. Hebrews the 4. I don't care if you've yielded to the same thing a thousand times. There's victory for you today. I said there's victory for you today. I don't care what it is, whether it be pornography or judging people or whatever the case may be. There's victory in the house today. There's victory in the name of Jesus. There's overcoming power available today. Now notice in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. It says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now notice this. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin so any area that you can be tempted in any area that you've been tempted in Jesus was tempted in those areas and beyond now what that does is that flies completely crosswise with religious thinking how can you say that Jesus was tempted in every way the Bible says it That's what the Word of God says. I didn't think this up myself. This is what thus saith the Lord. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, He resisted the temptation to show us that we also can resist the temptation. Can you be tempted and yet not sin? Absolutely you can. God can help you and help me master temptation it doesn't have to master us look at Hebrews the second chapter in the 18th verse man you all listen so good amen look at your neighbor and say we're making some progress today hallelujah we're making some progress up in here amen Hebrews 2 now notice verse 18 for in that he has suffered being tempted what is he able to do He is able to secure them that are tempted. Secure? Say what? (laughs) What secure means? Secure means help. In other words, in that he suffered being tempted, he is able to help them that are tempted. He helps us by giving us his ability. He helps us by giving us the helper. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. He did not leave us when he left us helpless. He said, I'll pray the Father and He'll give you another helper, another comforter, another counselor, another strengthener, another standby, another intercessor. He's going to help you every day of your life. Ooh, hallelujah. 
Say with me, I've got heaven's help. I got the helper. I got the helper living in me. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, he helps us. How does he help us, Pastor? He helps us by strengthening us. He helps us by giving us might. He helps us by giving us efficiency. He helps us by giving us ability over all the power of the enemy. And you know how else he helps us? He helps us through our brothers and sisters. You know, if you need help in an area of your life, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you admitting that you need help. Yeah, you've got the helper on the inside of you, but how many of you know the helper chooses to help you sometimes through people that have already been helped? Now, don't ask me to say that again. But I'm telling you, there is help for people that are feeling helpless. There's encouragement from other brothers and sisters that have been down that road that you're on right now and they've been there and have overcome it and they can bring a word in season to you to lift you and to help you and to encourage you. Amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. So in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure or to help them that are tempted. Say this with me. Jesus overcame so that I can overcome. Now this is a huge statement. This flowed out of my spirit as I was preparing this message. And that is this, that God has given you and he's given me the ability so that we are able to resist and to overcome any and every temptation. Any and every temptation. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Amplified Version. And I know as they pull it up there, it's a mouthful. So we're going to begin halfway down. Let's begin, but God. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, but God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And you know what else? He can be trusted. We sang about trusting him today, didn't we? God is faithful to us. God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted. Amen? Amen. Not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability. See, when you choose his ability, you are choosing his strength of resistance and power to endure. Now notice with me what he provides for you along with the temptation that the enemy brings to you. The rest of the verse says this, but with the temptation, say it with me, he will always. What will he always do? He will always provide the way out. (laughs) Jesus is the way. He said he will always provide the way out. And I love what the rest of this verse says. The means of escape to a landing place. That you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. Amen. See, God is faithful by giving you and me the ability to resist. 
Now turn with me to James chapter 1. This is another important thing that we recognize and that we realize. Because sometimes people think that, well, you know, God sent this temptation to teach me something. The question I have is, why haven't you learned something yet? God does not take something evil to test something good with. God does not take evil to test one of his children with. Amen? In, in James chapter 1, in the 13th verse, and I want to get over there because I want to look at a couple of verses beyond that. James 1, 13. says this, Let no man even say when he is tempted. Don't say it when you're tempted. Well, I'm tempted of God. God's trying to teach me something. No. Mm -mm. No. no, no, no. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. Read the rest with me. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. We could read it this way. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he use things from the enemy to tempt any man. But now notice this. See, yes, some of the temptations that we face come directly from the enemy, right? But then other temptations that we face come from a result of living life in the flesh. And following after the yeah. lusts of the flesh. That That's why he said in Galatians, he said, walk in the spirit and you will not what? You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The first ingredient for walking in the spirit is love. You will discover that people yield to the lust of the flesh, not out of love, but they yield to the flesh out of selfishness. Because it might feel good, or it might taste good, or it might seem good. Now notice with me in the rest of this verse, in verse 14. But every man, say it with me, every man. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of what? When he's drawn away of his own lust and what? And enticed. Then... When lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So yes, we have power. And yes, we have a way out to resist the enemy when he comes to us and comes at us, right? But there are some things that we need to do in regards to the lust of the flesh so that we don't yield to those things. Now listen to this quote. I, I found it last night. And I love it. Charles Spurgeon said this, The devil I am to resist, and he will flee from me. But the lusts of the flesh, I must flee. For they will surely overcome me. May the horrible trinity of the world, the flesh, and the devil never overcome us. Think about that. You see, on one hand, we are to submit ourselves to God. Amen? In other words, give God His rightful place over us. 
And when we give God our rightful place over us, and when we resist the devil, he will have no choice to take his place under us. Amen? James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? He will flee from you. But how many of you know, there are some things that you and I must flee. I'm going to say it again. There are some things that you and I must flee. Now, a great example of some things that we must flee is from the life of Joseph. Now, Joseph had incredible favor with God and man, did he not? I mean, he had supernatural favor. And he was put over Potiphar's house. But Potiphar's wife had a thing for him. You know? And Joseph was not about to sing, me and Mrs. Potiphar had a thing going on. Some of you recognize that as Mrs. Brown, but Mrs. Potiphar. Mrs. Jones, excuse me. Correction. We got a thing. No, we don't have a thing. Uh Uh-uh. But Potiphar's wife had an eye for Joseph. See, you will find that many women in the world have an eye for covenant men. The Bible says that the adulterous woman shall hunt for the precious life. And there is nobody more precious than a person that's been blood-bought. You are precious. And there are people that will hunt for precious lives. Outside of the covenant. Not only women hunting for precious lives, but men hunting for precious lives. I'm preaching pretty good right now. So you need to be alert. And you need to be aware. And you need to be very, very uh, uh, cognizant, if you will, of your surroundings. Potiphar, when he went into Potiphar's chamber... Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Potiphar did not, I repeat, did not say, well, let's sit down on the bed and talk about this. Joseph didn't say that. But Joseph did an exit stage right. What Joseph did is he fleed fornication. Amen. He got out of there in such a hurry that she grabbed his coat and accused him with it. But nonetheless, Potiphar got rid of and fleed from fornication. Joseph. I'm just checking on you. He ran. He fleed. He did what we must do when the tempter comes our way. When the lusts of the flesh try to overtake us, we need, on one hand, to resist the devil, and he will run from us as in terror. But on the other hand, we need to flee some things and run ourselves. Amen? Now that we got Potiphar and Joseph all sorted out... 
Look with me over to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Again, for every challenge that you face, know this, because God is so faithful that there is a way out. He always makes an outlet. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be what? Able to stand. The ability to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13. Read it with me. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, what do you do? Having done all to stand, just keep standing. Now what does that mean? That means this, that if the enemy comes against you five times, ten times, 15 times in the same day with the same temptation, you resist him five times. You resist him 10 times. You resist him 15 times. See, here's the good news. You and I don't have to keep falling. Because Jude 20 says this. Look at this verse. Jude 24 says this. Now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling and present you unblemished, blameless, faultless before the presence of His glory in triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable and ecstatic delight. Amen. Listen, no matter what circumstances come against you, from the outside. Remember, you've got someone living on the inside. We sing that song, someone on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. This one that you have on the inside of you is the greater one. He is the one who's given you ability. He is the one who is helping us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, I want you to turn over there if you would. 1 John, the fourth chapter, and the fourth verse, says, you are of God. You are of God. Look at your neighbor and say, did you know that you are of God? You are of God. I am of God, little children, and trying to overcome them. No, and have overcome them. Why is that? Read the rest with me. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One of the greatest things that helped me to overcome temptation as a young man was to avoid people and places and things that did not contribute to me walking with God. Now you know my testimony. 
when I got off of drugs and when I was serious to get off them and stay off them, I had to cut off certain people. I had to cut off certain relationships. I couldn't go certain places anymore. Now, if you are a person that has battled alcoholism and you've got the victory over alcoholism, it is foolish for you to go to a bar. Somebody says, well, I'm just going to go order lemonade. You do know that they have such things as hard lemonade. And you don't know what they might put in that drink. Yeah, but a lot of my friends are at the bar. Well, go meet with your friends somewhere else. Amen. Go into an area that is a safe zone for you. Right? Now, I'm not telling you to get rid of all of your friends. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God on who you hook up with, right? And who your friend is. But there are some friends... <laughs> I'm telling you right now, there's some friends that just got to go. I mean, Pookie and them, they got to go. Bob and Jeanette, they got to go. Jose and Margarita, they need to go. There's just some people that they just got to go. Now, why is that? Because evil companions, wrong companionships, corrupt our manners. It's not a good idea to hang with people that are going to bring you down. And don't expect everyone to understand your walk with God. Don't expect all your relatives. Don't expect everyone to understand why you're not going to go out and smoke dope with them. You know, after all, it's legal. Just because something legal don't make it right. Right? And that's all I'm going to say about that. Don't expect everyone to understand that you're filled with the Holy Ghost now and speak with other tongues and come to church every day of your life. They don't understand it. Just live your life for Him. Yield to His might. Yield to His ability. Yield to His efficiency. And when you live your life for Him, some of them will come to the light that you've seen. But guess what? You are not the one that's supposed to turn the lights on for them. You need to let God do that and pray in the light so that eventually they can see the light. I know I'm preaching good right now. But here's one of the biggest things that I learned is I had to avoid the places of temptation. And they're out there all over the place. I had to avoid it. I've known some people that have had to literally take their computer and throw it out the window. Why? Because the computer has become a stumbling block for them. Right? Computers were not raised up for pornography. Computers were raised up to see Pastor Mark preach online. Even though he misquoted Potiphar and Joseph a couple times. It's all good. God did not raise up this electronic world. He did not raise up all this stuff to hurt us. He raised it up to help us as Christians. See, we need to use the internet. We need to use those things to our advantage. We need to leverage what's out there. 
But if you're not strong enough to have a computer, get rid of it. Well, I met my husband. I met my wife online. Well, good. But the horror stories of those who've met people online, we don't even want to go there. One of the greatest things I learned was found in Ephesians 4, verse 27, where it says, Neither give place to what? That word place there in the Greek is topos, T-O-P-O-S. We get our English word topographical from it. Topographical from it. Topographical, quit correcting me. Topographical. (laughs) You try this for 40 years and see how you do. Just kidding. Topo, topo, topographical. What this means is this. Is you give the enemy an inch of your life. He wants to take the whole map. And that's why the scripture says, Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any place. Starve him out. How many of you know that every wrong desire gets weaker as you starve it? Anybody ever fed a stray cat before? You're probably still feeding it. Starve it. Starve it. Shut it down. I want to close with a few just practical things that will help you to overcome temptation. Place your hand over your heart and say this to me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord that I'm hearing today. I have ability. I have efficiency. I have the spirit of might. And I choose your ability over any and all temptation. I take the word of the Lord and I resist the devil in the name of Jesus. So here's a few practical thoughts. Begin by analyzing your life. Ask yourself these questions. When and where am I tempted the most? Am I tempted when I'm alone or when I'm with someone else? Secondly, are there circumstances that set me off and on to the path of temptation. You know, maybe it's a discouragement. Maybe you set a goal and you hadn't reached the goal. The enemy will come and knock on your door. Maybe you're physically tired. That great coach of the Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi, said this. He said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Amen? Mark Twain said this, he said, There are several good protections against temptations, but the surest is cowardice. (laughs) 
The next thing you need to look at is what are my thought processes before I sin? Do I make excuses for or justify sin? Here's a big one. Are my electronics a source of temptation? Pornography is running rampant in the body of Christ. It is. It's something that you can have victory over by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, we need more than sheer willpower. We need some holy ghost power. Now listen, I've been around for a while. Brenda and I have been in ministry for 40 years. And I've seen some mighty men and mighty women fall. The scripture says, how are the mighty fallen? And it doesn't happen overnight. It happens a little here and a little there. We need to be very, very watchful of our surroundings. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us to be sober. Why? Because the adversary walks about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Say it with me. He may not devour me. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But the men and the women of God, and this is not just preachers, but the men and the women of God that I have seen that are doing great exploits in His name. They're supporting the gospel. They have great marriages. They have great lives. Those are men and women that are full of the Word. And not only that, but they're full of the Holy Spirit. And on a regular basis, they're taking time to build their spirit up. In Jude 20, it says this, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Listen, friend, instead of dwelling on the tempting thoughts that the enemy puts there, dwell on God's powerful Word. The Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit are great weapons in your arsenal to overcome temptation. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed today. Father, I've done my best to minister Your Word. Now I just leave the results up to You. I thank You, sir, for moving in this auditorium today. And for watching over your word to perform it. I pray for my brothers and my sisters. That you would strengthen them, Lord God. That you would send a great, great, rushing, mighty wind into their lives. To help them and enable them, Lord, to rise up with victory over temptation. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor Mark, I'd like for you to pray with me. I've been tempted in an area of my life. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But by the uplifted hand, you say, yeah, pray for me. All over this auditorium. Yes, I see all over this auditorium. All over this auditorium. You can put your hands down in the name of Jesus. Amen. And here's what we're going to do as Pastor Tom prays. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask all of you to stand to your feet if you would. We're going to pray and we're going to believe God together. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen.
Oh, hallelujah. Let's all lift our voice up to the Lord and let's declare this. I can. I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing, which strengthens me. Let's all put our hands over our heart and say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking for heaven's help. I'm asking for strength to overcome any and every temptation. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit, the spirit of the Lord, is my helper. Let's raise all of our hands toward heaven and say, I call out. I cry out for heaven's help today. We magnify you, Lord. We thank you for victory every day and in every way. For you have wrought for us victory in Jesus. I choose to yield to your ability. I choose to yield to your might and your efficiency and your strength. Strengthen me, I pray. With might by the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I pray that I would experience the presence of God in a greater way, in a greater dimension from this day forward in the name of Jesus.